0: Kindred Church, what's up? How are you guys? You guys are feeling pretty good? Yeah? It's like a weird time to be alive, isn't it? Like, just when you think life can't get weirder, it gets weirder. But here we are. We're at church together. We get to talk about Jesus and nothing else for a little bit. Does that sound good to anybody else? Sounds great to me. Yeah. Hey, teachers, I got to say, I know some of you are in here. Um, my kids are not great online students, but I am. I learned how to multiply fractions this week. Um, kind of. Like, I, like the, luckily the thing lets you keep guessing again and finally tells you you're right. And so, yeah, I did pretty good. So I learned that this week, and I'm pretty, pretty proud of myself for that. Hey, but welcome back. This is week three of this brand new community that we're calling Kindred. I'm so glad that you guys are here. And I want to say right at the top... Thank you guys so much for all of your support, uh, all your support, like emotionally. A lot of you have checked in on us and, and been there for us. Uh, your support socially, like I, I lost some friends, I got some new ones. Thank you guys, and, uh, and, and thank you for your, your support financially. We're making this thing work, and we're really, really excited about it. Uh, really every way possible, thank you for supporting what we're up to here at Kindred. Um, I've had a dream like this for a long time, you know, and, and standing here in this room for the last three to five weeks as we've done some soft launches and started this thing up, uh, I just get to see that God's up to something, and he's doing it, and we, we just get to be a part of it and, and ride along with him, and it's really, really fun. Um, I'm odd. I really am. I'm humbled, and more than anything, I'm full of joy in a way that, that I really needed in this season of my life, so thank you, Kindred, for that. Here's a couple things about Kindred real quick before I jump into to my message tonight. We, be, we believe here at Kindred that we belong to God, and when we say that we believe that we belong to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We believe that we belong to, to God in all of the ways that he manifests himself. He sets our ways. He's our standard bearer. We attempt to live to his will and not, and not to try to get him to live to ours. But we also believe this. We believe that we belong to each other, which means that we are made to be together in community, to, to build each other up, to use our strengths to supplement each other's weaknesses, and all of it to serve Jesus. And so, in this time, in this COVID era, in this time that we're in right now, it's a challenge to do community. It really is, and we recognize that. We know that we're kind of try to slow burn what that looks like because you can't force it either. We've all been we've all been in a situation where someone tried to force us into community, and it doesn't work great. So, as this thing develops, that as 2021 progresses, I'm really thankful and, and believing that we're going fi- to figure that stuff out, and it's going to be really, really good. So, thanks for sticking with us. We as a team decided this month that there was no better way to, to go after the, the start of this church than to talk about the things that make our hearts beat faster. As Tommy and Lindsay and I got together over the course of the last several months and talked about what we would want this community to look like, we came up with four things uh, that caused us to pursue this dream, really the, the catalyst behind what we were doing. And so we want to unpack them these four weeks in a way that helps all of you make sense of them as well so that you can follow along and, and understand where we're coming from. So last week, Lindsay talked about this value of, of this church being a safe place. She did an amazing job. If you haven't heard it, it's on our podcast, my favorite podcast, yours too. And I need to step it up tonight to do her justice because she was that good. I drink so much coffee, and I'm going to drink so much more before this night's over. Uh, My wife was like, slow down. I'm going to try to slow down. But I I have a a little bit of caffeine in my system. Tonight, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to tackle this second idea uh, that goes hand-in-hand with safe, and it's our value that we call sound. And like Laura said up top, I'm not talking about Tommy's perfect pitch, although I could fill a half an hour just talking about Tommy if you guys want me to. I'll do that another time. Uh, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Tommy, but I'm talking about that. I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about sound the way that we would talk about sound engineering, sound architecture, a sound foundation to something. And really it's synonymous with the idea of integrity. Uh, Years ago, I took a leadership class at the Air Force Academy. It's the most intimidating thing I've ever done in my life. And I walked into this class And and what they taught us is that integrity is the idea that every spoke in a wheel has a job to do, and when it does it, integrity means that the wheel works flawlessly in the way it's supposed to. There's also a guy in the class named Colonel Sanders, and I'm not making that up, and when they called his name out the first day, I thought for sure they were kidding, and I laughed really, really hard. It didn't go over well at all. Uh, I was a little bit afraid. Different story for a different day. I will tell it someday because it's good. Um, Keep it on track. I'm talking tonight about a timeless truth. And this truth is from the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 13.8, it just says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so when somebody asks us in these, these months leading up to this launch, when somebody asks, well, what does Kindred believe about fill in the blank, right? And there's a whole bunch of those things that we can fill out blank in with. This is the answer. And, and so you can, you can just like mark this one in your head. It's a really easy one. My answer is, well, let's read about it together in Scripture. Let's look and seek to find the answer and to understand it together. And we might honestly, in the end, disagree on what it says. We might disagree on how it was written or why it was written or to who it was written. But at the end of the day, that's the place to start. And I think any honest community, all we're doing is trying to look at those scriptures together and understand them. So what do we believe about it? I don't know. Let's find out together is always going to be my answer. So like Laura said at the beginning, we played all, all old hymns tonight because they're timeless words written over the centuries by the saints of the church. A bunch of it's from scripture, right? And the reason that we wanted to do that is really just to underscore this fact that Jesus never changes. Culture changes, you know, things change, ideas change, but Jesus, he exists outside of time. 10,000 years is like a day to him, right? We see we all those things. See, I get caught up in my own life so much that I start to forget that there's all this time before me because my life feels like it matters so much. And probably, although after today, I don't know, probably there's gonna be a lot of time after me when I go too, right? There's gonna be years and years of history and years and years of future. And I'm just in this moment. Last week, Tommy and I, we did a, a funeral. Maybe it was two weeks ago. All time's the same to me now. Tommy and I, just 10,000 years is but a day to me anymore, guys. How about you? Um, Tommy and I were at this funeral and we got there early and I was looking around. It's, it's almost cliche, but we're looking at the headstones and reading names and looking at dates, And if you ever want to feel insignificant and small, look at a a headstone where the person lived, you know, in the 1800s. It's right here in Denver. And I don't know their name. I don't know what they did. I don't know who they are. And as I was looking around at that, it reminded me that right now feels like everything, right? But it isn't. It feels like, to me, sometimes that something different is required of life because in 2020 and now in 2021, life is so complex, but I don't think this is a new problem. And one pastor I really like, he said it like this. He said, in an individualistic Western culture, we tend to want a unique theology, one that is just for us and feels fresh and new. But longing for something fresh or something no one else has said often leads to bad exegesis, which really means this, bad study and and application of the word. So in other words, our temptation as, as humans is to look for something that we want something to say something that speaks to us, or something that supports our ideas that we already have. And I think partially that makes sense. And maybe I'd even say in some cases there's nothing wrong with it. But it becomes a bigger problem when it leads us to misinterpret things instead of just going to the source of them and seeking to understand why they they were written and who they were written to and what they're really saying. Because I think the temptation is to cherry-pick, right? To find things that support attitudes or opinions that we already have, and to make the, the Bible a document that bends to our wants and our desires. So when I was in grad school, uh, I, don't, I don't brag a lot, but guys, I went to the University of Northern Colorado for grad school. <laughs> I know, I know. I got in, I got in. It, it's still the most reputable college in Greeley, I'm just telling you. You can't <laughs> prove me wrong. We had, uh, we had in those grad school classes, we read what felt like hundreds of books. Like, it's just always... Five books a week, we're reading through these things. And they were super narrow topics, like specific moments in history or uh, a certain people group that is just like the study of just these people uh, from start to finish, things like that. Just really, really concentrated stuff. And most of the classes were uh, Socratic seminars. So if you know what that means, it means that all we did was we read, we went to a room together, and we discussed the books. And often there'd be different ideas that people had or opinions people held. Uh, we, we would read the same things and people have completely different ideas what it meant and it would lead to some arguments, right? And there's this one guy uh, in the class, in a lot of my classes and I'm gonna call him Mark. And the reason I'm gonna do that is because his name was Mark. And um, the, the chances of him hearing this are like zero so I don't feel bad about it. He, he and I, we would argue a lot. And I think the the academic word here is we debated, right? We debated about things that we read all the time. Some of it was through the lens of my faith, and some of it was through the lens of his. But a lot of it was just opinions. I'm not super proud of this personality trait that I have. But when somebody is being really irritating and won't let up, I like to push their buttons. So I'll often take the other side of an issue just to see how mad I can get them. One of my favorite things to do is to tell people that I don't think Chick-fil-A is any good. People just get so mad. They get so mad. But I will stick with it until the day I die. And guys, I'm just going to be truthful with you in case I ever get in this situation with you. I live a gluten-free lifestyle. I have no idea what it tastes like. But I'm going to keep going after it and I'm going to keep making fun of it because people get really worked up. Anyway, so we spent hours and hours in class with me. And, and mind you, this was 20 years ago, me. And, and there are some things that I've changed and some stuff I'm still working on. And Mark and I would debate on a variety of topics. One night we were in a course. uh, It was something like the history of the U.S. constitutional law, or something like that. Just really stuff that would just make your heart beat faster. You guys would love it. And we were both on fire, arguing about something. And it culminated in these words from Mark that I will never forget, and that I've used over and over again since. He looked at me in the middle of one of my rants, and he said to me, "You can say whatever you want; it doesn't make it true." How good is that? How good is that? You can say whatever you want; it doesn't make it true. And you all have my permission to use that forever in your arguments. Just a quick word of warning doesn't work against my wife Does at all, ever. Still use it. You, can, you can It's a showstopper. There is no comeback to that. And, and, and Mark, he won that night because it was so good. But here's what I think. I also think it's a, super poignant, uh, to, to, it's a super poignant thing to this value that we hold here at Kindred, which is this, sound teaching and integrity and trying to follow the Word of God and not just choose things that make it easy or make us feel good. So I'm going to look at a couple of letters tonight, uh, just briefly. And there there's several letters in the New Testament that were written by the Apostle Paul, who was a man who was planting churches all over the place, and then leaving them in the hands of, of his like his mentees, men by the names of Titus, uh, Timothy, uh, Philemon, and, and Philemon, and others. Uh, these letters were written to these men to help them understand how to lead people, how to how to how to lead people properly in a church setting. So Paul talks uh, all the time about things like how to construct a service how to select people for your church board, right? Light reading to the average person, stuff that you guys are all wondering about, I'm sure. But he mostly talks about keeping the integrity of soundness in the church. For instance, in Titus 2.1, he tells him, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, he writes, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I'm going to walk through just a few things, and primarily from those two letters that he wrote to this man, Timothy, tonight as a means for us to connect to this value of sound teaching. The Timothy led the church uh, at this time in a city called Ephesus, and it's in modern-day Turkey. And the New Testament letter, Ephesians, is obviously written to them, and so is Revelation too. And if you know Revelation, it's, it's kind of a crazy book. And in both of these places, as well as in the letters of Timothy, we see this real specific thing about the church he was leading. The church that he was leading had to deal with at least two different groups that tried to infiltrate them with false teachings. And the Greek, wor- the Greek world was obsessed with creating these genealogies, which might sound to us a little bit strange. So I, that's the way I want you to think about it as this. A good comparison might be the backstories in books and movies, right? Or like the origin story of Spider-Man or something like that. These people would create a false backstory to something that they wanted to teach that was false in order to try to get credibility to it. They put a lineage to it, and they would create a whole story around these things. Now, this is why we see in the stories of Jesus that we see in the New Testament that the writers often would support that with a genealogy because it would prove the historical accuracy over just thinking and saying. And so they had to contend with these Greek challenges of debate, right, or what we would call playing the devil's advocate today. So in any case, in 1 Timothy, we see that these teachers were teaching this bizarre kind of parallel gospel. It's called Gnosticism. If you want to look it up later, it starts with a G, Gnosticism. Uh, We don't have time to get into it, and mostly, like, I did go to UNC, so I'm just starting to understand it. But I'll get back to that later. But it prompted Paul to write this. He said, As I urged you, command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. So Paul writes something here that's actually, to me, mind-blowing. He tells the church to teach sound doctrine and to keep good doctrine, but he doesn't tell them to shame those with the bad theology or even to kick them out tell them to take a hike. He simply says this, the goal is to love. The goal is to let your faith, your my favorite definition of faith is taking God at his word. Let your taking God at his word uh, lead you to that love. So Paul's expressing this idea that truth doesn't exist become, to become a weapon against anyone else. Doctrine isn't in place to lord knowledge over somebody else. The Ten Commandments, the Great Commandment, the Sermon on the Mount, and every other famous passage in the Bible, they weren't recorded to start arguments or raise up some kind of war. All these things are gifts from God to drive us towards one thing, just one thing, greater love, that's like the the love found in Jesus himself. So reading about God's love or studying the Greek words that describe God's love or even believing that that love isn't the same thing as experiencing that love and following the Jewish example, putting it into action. See, the Jewish people were people of action and the Greek people were people of words one of the most reputable commentaries written about the Bible is by a guy named Matthew Henry. And a commentary is a book that scholars write, that dissects, that dissects all the Greek. It navigates the culture it's written to, all these kinds of things. And it puts it into words that, that allow us, the modern reader, to get an understanding of what's going on before we attempt to apply it to our own lives. So it's a great source of teaching for sound doctrine for, for us in 2021. See, the thing about the Bible that's so great is that It's timeless. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. It can be applied to any time, even though it's timeless. So listen to what Henry wrote. He wrote this in the early 1990s about these words in Timothy. He says this, The end and uses of the law, so all the stuff that we're taught in the Bible, the end and the use of all these rules is that it's intended to promote love. The main purpose and drift of the divine law are to engage us in the love of God and one another. Surely the gospel, which obliges us to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, does not intend to supersede a commandment that has love as its goal. So to go further, sound doctrine exists for us to recognize how far we fall short of God's standards, not others. It's to receive love and grace. It's to be transformed into the kind of person that gives that love and grace away. I really believe this. I believe that being sound is being grounded, not stepping up on some kind of high horse. And truthfully, I can be as clever as I want to be. I, I try to come up with a really good rhyme all week, and I, I, I kind of got one. I can try to do that all I want, but the Bible says it so much better than I ever could. I think most of you probably have heard or know the passage from 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe you've heard it at a wedding somewhere between 100 and a 1 million times. It goes like this Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. It's a really famous, really famous word, and it's beautiful. It's about this kind of love that we want to live out. But the words that come right before this change the way that I read the passage. Because it's not about a romantic relationship, although the words can certainly apply to one. This passage is about so much more. Listen to how it starts. These are the words right before that. Paul says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak, with God, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love... I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. So in other words, simply, all of this knowledge, all this doctrine, all this instruction, all of the words that make up the Bible are for us to become better at loving people with that knowledge. That's the end game. So I really believe that for us here at Kindred as we start this community, here's what we believe. We believe that to create an environment that's safe for anybody is implicit that we create an environment that is also sound. An environment that allows you to discover how to follow the ways of Jesus. But to remember this, Jesus doesn't condemn those who don't follow sound, who can't figure it out. But sound doctrine gives us the chance to figure out how to fit the pieces of our life together. And I think it's a dance for every single person, but it's the kind of challenge that truly reveals what we're made of individually and as a community. I want to close up with, with this. Uh, I, I was reading a book all week by this really old, probably certainly dead, Scottish proof Bible professor, and it's an amazing book. His name is William Barclay. And he sums everything up in uh, all of Paul's letters with this, this incredible, uh, I, to me it's mind-blowing. I'm not smart enough to come up with this, but I will tell you, William Bar- Barclay is a genius. He says, according to First Timothy, a Christian thinker is characterized by five specific things. So I just want to say, if you are in this room and you follow Jesus and you're really interested in doing it well, you want to follow the words in the Bible the best you can, the, the first thing you have to do, obviously, is read it. The second thing you have to do is study it to understand it. But William Barclay says that if you want to be a Christian thinker who's characterized by love, who's trying to live out the way of Jesus to those around them, there's five specific things that your that thinking will be like, and these are them. The first one is this. You will, just, you will show thinking based on faith, which is taking God at his word. So your thinking will attempt to be put in line with what, what God is really saying. The second one is that your thinking will be motivated by Love. See, this kind of thinking protects us from arrogance and contemptuous thinking. The the kind of thinking that devalues those we disagree with and reduces them to their opinions and their shortcomings and makes us start to feel like we hate them. When we think with love, it's impossible to hate. The next characteristic is this thinking that comes from a pure heart. And the Greek word for pure here is the same word they use to describe an army that had been cleared of all of the lazy and cowardly soldiers. So really what William Barclay is trying to say uh, from First Timothy, what Paul was trying to write is that the Christian thinker thinks with a pure heart and it's a heart that's devoid of cowardness and laziness but instead pursues things that are uncomfortable and hard. The fourth thing is that Christian thinking is thinking that practices the integrity of good conscience. Meaning simply that we walk what we talk. When we say something, we attempt to mean it, and we go after it. We don't just say it like the Greek thinker might have 2,000 years ago. We do it like the Jewish thinker might have. And the last one is this. It's thinking that is what he calls of undissembling faith. Meaning this, in short, thinking that's sincere in its pursuit of truth. Absolutely sincere in its pursuit of truth. So, Kendra, this is what I would say early on. In this community, is I'm I'm not perfect, I don't think perfect, I don't interpret scripture perfectly, but I want to be that kind of thinker. I'm the kind of thinker that runs things through this filter of relying on my faith, being motivated by love, trying to have a pure heart, a good conscience, and trying to be a person of sincerity in the things that I pursue. I want to be that kind of community. I want us to lock arms together to look at people who may disagree with us, people who may never understand some of the words the way that we understand them. And instead of becoming contemptuous, becoming a person who loves them even more. So I want to, I want to pray that we could become a community like that as we transition back into worship um, and ask God what he would have for each one of us. So God, I thank you for my friends in this room tonight. And God, I pray that no matter where we come from in this room, if we've read the Bible cover to cover every year of our life, or God, we've never even opened it up. God, if we believe that the words in the Bible really are inspired and God breathed, or if we don't really know what that means. God, I'm just thankful that we have a chance tonight to be challenged by something so simple that it becomes complex to me, which is that you created us to learn all these things about you not to lord them over anybody else, but instead to recognize how desperately I need you. So God, I pray tonight as I attempt to allow your things, your teachings, your your spirit in my life to lead me towards love of other people, I pray that I'd be challenged to look at the places where I try to hold to somebody else first. And instead of just loving somebody, I try to change them or I I try to make sure that they understand. And God, instead I pray tonight, I would look at myself first that I will hold on to sound doctrine and the things that you would have us know and that I love people better because of it. Thank you for who you are. We pray in your name. Amen.